Hi everybody, Tim Anderson here, the Appraiser's Advocate. We welcome you, and we call this one, My Library Book is Due Tomorrow, So When Is My Diligence Due? On a not-too-distant morning at 4 a.m., I was down here in my studio, worried about what I could do about a podcast, a lament common to many podcasters and their producers, by the way, and I thought about uh, checking with my primary muse. But since it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and there would have been hell to pay had I awakened her, I went to my secondary muse, which is old Mother Usepap, and I started reading about due diligence. What's interesting is USPAP holds very little about the concept of due diligence. In fact, it's mentioned once in USPAP in Standard Rule 1-1, specifically 1-1b and 1-1c, although it's all throughout Standard 1-1. So I began to think about it, what it was, etc. And one of the first things I noticed was that uh, USPAP doesn't have a definition of due diligence. I did find a description of it, however, and that description is, due diligence is the necessary amount of diligence required in a professional activity to avoid being negligent. Now, that raises the issue of negligence. Someone is negligent when they know what to do but choose not to do it anyway. That could be considered a lapse in ethics. Now let's break down the term due diligence. Due means expected at or planned for at a certain time, or it also means the proper quality or extent or adequate. It also means a person's right, what's owed to someone, then diligence is careful and persistent work or effort or steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Now, what's interesting is in that latter definition, both of those contain the word effort. So, we've got to stop now and think, okay, what, what does that teach us now? USPAP uses the terms due diligence and do care synonymously. So for simplicity's sake, throughout the rest of this podcast, I'm going to refer to due diligence rather than do care, but they mean the same thing. Now, in the Fannie Mae Selling Guide itself, it refers to due diligence, although it does not define it. However, that reference to due diligence is not relative to appraisers or appraisals. Rather, it refers to lenders and Fannie Mae's charge to them to be responsible for the appraisals that get sent to Fannie Mae through those lenders. Now, in USPAP, again, Standards Rule 1-1A, B, and C, specifically B and C, are the due diligence biggies because they refer to it specifically. In USPAP, we're also looking at the competency rule relative to the competency rule and standard rule 1-1c, this is what USPAP says. Diligence is required to identify and analyze the factors, conditions, data, and other information that would have a significant effect on the credibility of assignment results. 
in all of USPAP, there are 19 references to due diligence or due care. 17 of them are in this particular context. Now, by rather loose extension, Standard Rule 1-4 also has to do with due diligence. It says that in the context of a credible uh, appraisal assignment or, or, or a credible assignment, credible assignment results, Standard Rule 1-4 says it, it's the appraiser's responsibility to, quote, collect, verify, and analyze all information necessary for credible assignment results, close quote. In this case, all is the due diligence part of it. Therefore, to violate Standard Rule 1-1, especially 1-1B and C, is to fail to exercise proper due diligence. Now, that will be important in a couple of minutes. There is no definition of due diligence, again, in USPAP. There is no definition of due diligence, again, in Fannie Mae. However, the states constantly cite it in charges they bring against appraisers. And when the state cites lack of due diligence, these are the charges that tend to garner the largest, most egregious sanctions. Keep that in mind, too. Now, I did a quick study of the number of cases in the state of Florida that were disposed of in 2019, the most recent data available to me. And what I found was 25% of all sanctions leveled against appraisers, again, disposed of in 2019, had reference either to lack of due diligence or violation of Standard Rule 1-1 A, B, and or C. Let's talk about due diligence to determine if we can reverse this trend of appraisers violating Standard Rule 1-1 A, B, and C, specifically B and C. I did a study. I went to the Oklahoma uh, Real Estate Appraisal Board website, and I noticed that they cite a lot 59 Oklahoma Statute, Section 858-723-C7, which basically says the state of Oklahoma can prosecute appraisers for failure or refusal without good cause to exercise reasonable diligence in developing an appraisal, in preparing an appraisal report, or communicating an appraisal. I also found out that that language is relatively common throughout the states. I looked on the Utah website, and while I didn't do a study like I did for Florida because of the way it's set up, that would have been too difficult. But one of the things that I found was in reading through those charges, and those charges were not organized by year, so I was just reading through charges. What I found was that while there were relatively few references specifically to due diligence or due care, there were numerous references to violating Standard Rule 1-1B, which is the due diligence standard rule. So in Utah, it's a big one. I did the same thing in Idaho. Again, there were not that many references to due diligence, but there were numerous references to violation of Standard Rule 1-1B, which, again, specifically mentions due diligence. So, Let's stop a moment and let's figure out how much diligence is due, how much diligence is necessary to exercise proper due diligence. And again, remember, due means the quantity necessary. 
I took a look at an Oklahoma case, and while I won't share any names, it was a complaint 19-005 if you want to chase it down. And the state of Oklahoma said, appraiser, you did not engage in proper due diligence. And here is the evidence that you did not engage in proper due diligence. And while this is shortened somewhat, there were 37 different charges leveled against the appraiser. A full 10 of them had to do specifically with due diligence. This is a summary. I'm not going to read all the charges. But here's what the state of Oklahoma said to this particular appraiser. The appraiser did not exercise due diligence because the reporting option was not prominently stated. In other words, it was not clear if it was an appraisal report or a restricted appraisal report. The report date and the effective date were not stated. The scope of work was not sufficiently summarized. The certification did not contain the names of those providing significant appraisal assistance. Now, I can't read the entire charge to you, but in this particular instance, that was a big deal. There was no explanation in the appraisal report of why the income approach was not applicable. In other words, all it said was the income approach is not applicable. It didn't say why. Now, that's interesting because it tied into highest and best use, and this was a biggie. Highest and best use was not properly addressed and analyzed. Now, the state stopped its narrative of charges, not only to say that, but it broke it down even further as to what was missing from highest and best use. And one of the items the state claimed was the appraiser could not have analyzed the highest and best use of the property because the appraiser did not analyze if it was capable or not capable of producing a measurable income. So right there, the state tied the income approach into a proper, a due, highest and best use analysis. Then the state went on. The legal description in the appraisal was inaccurate. Wow, how difficult could that possibly be? You copied off the last deed. There was no description of the relevant physical characteristics of the subject. The report made it clear that while there were some photographs of the subject, that was not an issue. There was not a description of the relevant physical characteristics. There was no support for the site value. In other words, there was a statement of the site value, but there was no support for it. Now, this is common. It's very common to see in the cost approach a number in the site value line and then some nebulous boilerplate about how the appraiser took it from other appraisers, their own files, of a ratio analysis or some such thing like that. But there was no support for the conclusion in the report and therefore, there was no support for the conclusion in the work file either. And then finally, the state told the appraiser that he or she did not adequately collect, verify, and report the comparable sales, and the appraiser failed to include the reasoning for the adjustments he or she applied to the comparable sales. Now, this is an example specific to this complaint in Oklahoma about lack of due diligence. Let me read this. This is a quote. The subject property has a design feature which appears to be atypical for the development, a garage conversion. However, the report failed to analyze the market reaction to the garage conversion because there were no sales provided with garage conversions. 
Now you may say, well, how could the appraiser analyze a sale of a garage conversion if there weren't any sales of properties like that? Well, that's true. But consider the ramifications of that. If there were no sales like that, how popular was that in the market? If it wasn't popular in the market, then how could it be the highest and best use of the property? If it would be financially infeasible to build that property with a converted garage, assuming it's even illegal, then how could it possibly be the highest and best use of the property? But yet, that's basically what the appraiser said by not analyzing the market's reaction to what was likely a functional obsolescence issue. The appraiser was saying that property with a garage converted to something else other than a garage is the property's highest and best use has improved. There's a statement without any support. Therefore, the appraiser failed to exercise proper due diligence in analyzing the highest and best use of the property has improved. The lack of discussion of a garage conversion is equal, is the same thing, to no analysis of the functional obsolescence factor, no analysis of highest and best use, no analysis of legal use. Therefore, the present use is the property's highest and best use, but there was no support in the report for how the appraiser concluded that. There was no analysis to support that conclusion. So the state of Oklahoma in this particular case basically said, number one, the appraiser merely went through the motions, the appraiser merely filled in the blanks on the report, and the appraiser merely added some boilerplate that the appraiser could have put in any report whatsoever. In other words, because of these failures, there was no due diligence on the appraiser's part. Thus, there was a sanction to be imposed, and the state did. And I won't go into it, but let me make it clear it was a pretty substantial sanction. Now, you say, Tim, what does this have to do with me? Oh, great question. Thank you for asking it. Here's what it is. Banks like AVMs because they're quick, they're cheap, they answer the question, what's the property worth? Now, they don't do anything else, but they do answer that question. So, AVMs have no due diligence requirements. We do. All the AVM says is, this is what the property's worth. What we should be saying is, here's what the property's worth and why. That's the important part. AVMs don't measure risk. We can. So, we should say, here's what the property's worth. Here's why it's worth that much. And here is an, an analysis of the risks in the neighborhood. So, Fanny, when you sell that paper to investors, they know the risks they're taking and they know the rewards they should be able to get. In other words, if we can't outperform an AVM, why should clients use us? AVMs are cheaper, faster, and according to some lenders, better than what we do. So we have got to provide due diligence. Remember, do means the proper amount. Diligence is professional effort. So, do we provide proper due diligence or do we just go through the motions? If we're just going through the motions, then what reason is there for clients to hire us? We provide information. We provide reasoning. AVMs can't do that. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it very much. I know you've got other things to do, so thank you for your time as well. I'm Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate. If I can ever be of help to you, please get in touch with me, tim 
at theappraisersadvocate.com. It will be an honor to work with you. It will be an honor to know you. Thank you. Be safe and well. We're clear.